Welcome back to Coffee and Cannabis. It's the show where I interview professionals, researchers, and thought leaders in the cannabis space to help bring you deeper insight into who these individuals are and how they're shaping the cannabis industry. In this episode, I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing Shabazz Kara Varani, where he graciously took some time to chat while overlooking his villa in Mexico that he got to escape to, which I still remain extremely envious of. <laughs> uh, Shabazz has spent seven years working at Salesforce and dove headfirst into the cannabis industry with Lift & Co in 2018. Now, Shabazz is the Canadian sales leader for cannabis e-commerce platform Dutchie and is also a founding member for the Ontario Cannabis Policy Council. In the episode, we dive into what he learned about sales and leadership at Salesforce and how he quickly discovered just how different the cannabis industry operates. We also talk about how fierce the retail competition is becoming and how retailers can leverage technology stacks to get out ahead. And finally, we also talk about the importance of investing in your people as a cannabis company and how licensed producers can bridge the gap between bud tenders and consumers. Uh, I'm happy we could finally hop on a call. Uh, I'm currently sat with the most elusive man in the Eastern Hemisphere. <laughs> Uh, I hope you're well. How are how are things uh, going? How are things treating you down south? They're good. They're good, Alex. Thanks for having me on here, man. I'm a big fan of yours, and uh, it's a real privilege to be on here. Things are good. I'm actually in Mexico City right now, and uh, it's funny, man. Uh, I have the driest cannabis and seediest <laughs> cannabis in front of me. So you you know you, you forget how lucky we are sometimes, right? Uh, but it still but it still works. And I don't know THC levels, and I don't know CBD <laughs> levels, but. I, uh, it does it does do the job, but uh, here in Mexico City, it's it's nice and sunny, and uh, there's a little something in the air because you know it was just 420 and everyone was celebrating and right. uh, cannabis is in the air in Mexico, and it's really it's really amazing, and, mm. and I'm lucky to be part of this industry and, and be living here right now. Yeah, I, I mean it's funny, you know, we squabble so much about quality and like these these fine-tuned issues in cannabis in Canada and then we we look outside of the country and countries that are still illicit like you, you like like you said you you don't really get to pick and choose right you don't you don't get to um to be picky right no not at all and it just makes you realize just as you know I'm I'm a huge proponent of the mm -hmm. government and the way they've done mm -hmm. things but I'm also a huge you know I I often tend to call some things out um, but when you zoom out and look at the grand scheme of things, it's like Canada, what they did, the leap that they made, mm. um, how hard and challenging it was to, to, you know, bring out these regulatory frameworks and mm. policies and put them in place. Mm -hmm. And we're just so lucky. Now, now we can go into stores, millions of stores in Ontario and buy cannabis of all kinds. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's just mind blowing when you really think of it. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree. We're, we're so, so lucky. Um, from from like uh and you know everyone's adjusting right now to like working from home and some working abroad how do you find it's been working remotely do you miss the in-office uh kind of work model yeah i appreciate the question it's something that actually my roommate uh he asked me the other day he's, you mm -hmm. know said will you ever go back to office work and mm -hmm. um 
you know, I grew up, I grew up seven years at Salesforce right. in the office, right. uh, traveling obviously for, you know, different sales calls and mm-hmm. things like that mm-hmm. to different places. But the office is where the culture was built. The office right. is where, you know, you really got to stop and connect with people, even if it was for five minutes at mm-hmm. the, at the water cooler mm-hmm. or, you know, just even getting, in, uh, getting a coffee from meeting to meeting. I mean, those are the things I miss the most. And, you know, now in a remote world, it's so eerie because everything has to be half an hour right. <laughs> or, or it's on Slack. Slack, right? right? It's, it's right. either it's either half an hour or on Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I, I never thought of myself as a remote human, but you know, I, I had to learn to adjust, especially because you know Dutchie's based out of Oregon, mm-hmm. and uh, when I started the job, you know, there was no office plan mm-hmm. to build an office in Toronto, and then coronavirus hit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'd like to get back to an office environment one day, mm-hmm. uh, maybe not full time, definitely yeah. flex. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's a lot of things that are missed from remote work that you. Just hmm. cannot get that you do get in the office. Well, especially from a sales perspective, you know, like I, I'm only three years into my sales career, but I'm finding it more and more true that it really is just about building relationships. And I found that a lot of those relationships were built from conferences, dinners, just getting a coffee. Like it's that ease of connecting and it not being, uh, let's book a Zoom meeting or a Teams meeting for this time or this time. How do you, how do you find sales is from, from a remote perspective? For sure. I, and, and again, man, it's an, it's an excellent question. I mean, I, I've always, you know, growing up in Salesforce, I've always prided myself on not only, you know, being uh, a sales professional, but also being a sales leader. And, mm-hmm. you know, in my last mm-hmm. role at Lift & Co, I was fortunate enough to lead a team of 12. Mm-hmm. And the thing I miss most about the sales leadership aspect of being in an office is getting into a room mm-hmm. and whiteboarding and picking the team's brain mm-hmm. and learning from them in the moment and them learning from each other and all mm-hmm. of us just sitting there and learning. And then to your point, you know, from a sales solely selling perspective, mm-hmm. conferences, dinners, I mean, that's where real relationships are built. And it's really hard on Zoom sometimes. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, you're just, you're always on camera and, you know, you're looking at yourself right, and, of course. you know, yeah. you may, you may not be coming across the most authentic, but I think mm-hmm. that sales conferences, those dinners, those after works, drinks, those, you know, those joints, mm. <laughs> right? The, the, the yeah, collaborative yeah, yeah. approach of, of mm. human face-to-face interaction, there's nothing ever in this world that's going to take mm. or, or replace that. So mm. uh, I can't wait for that to happen. And then there's, there's a bunch of conferences scheduled this year mm. that hopefully go down. Lift & Co., mm-hmm. you know, MJ mm-hmm. Biz, mm-hmm. Uh, I know Kind's trying to do something. So mm. yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's something that I desperately want back at some point. Yeah. But you're not mad that you're in Mexico City right now. <laughs> yeah, just judging by my 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 emotion over the last yeah. few questions, you you think yeah. no, it's, it's been a, it's it's been a real yeah. eye opener. I've got yeah. uh, I've gotten I've gotten to learn a lot. You know, I've learned and dive dove into mm-hmm. Spanish. Mm-hmm. I've been able to work with the beach facing me. I've been able to you know, mm-hmm. I was just in having a coffee, working, uh, looking at uh, Parque de Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not upset in any <laughs> shape, way, or form that I got to do this, and I'm. I'm. I'm happy that I took the decision mm. because you know at the time it was a really unpopular decision. Right. Uh, right. In December, right. Uh, just as we were hitting peak things, and mm. um, I had to do it for myself, especially sitting in a condo downtown Toronto for 17 hours a day. Yeah. Um, I found that you know I was almost less productive because mm. you're, there's, you're you're trying to work for 17 hours right. a day, right, right. and then you go to sleep and you're and you're cooped up, and so um, this that? was something. Yeah. That I had to, exactly. I had, to, I had to do this for myself, man. Dude, I, I totally hear you. You know, you, you pivoted from, um, you know, you, you saw that this coronavirus was happening. You decided to pivot along with this remote 
um, kind of culture. So you, you decided, you know, it's for your best interest to, you know, work abroad. Um, so in the topic of pivoting, how was it moving from Salesforce into, you know, the cannabis industry and in, in Dutchy? This is one of my all-time favorite questions. If anyone has listened to, if anyone has listened to me speak on this topic before, I sincerely, sincerely apologize. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was a crazy, crazy time in my life. Uh, so I'll tell you a story that not many people know that I'm not necessarily too proud of, but also am proud of. So I'd spent six years at Salesforce. I had worked my way up to uh, getting to President's Club. Mm-hmm. I'd worked my way up to really, you know, being a team leader and, mm-hmm. and, and sinking myself into the Salesforce culture. And I love Salesforce to this day. Mm-hmm. I always post things. I love their CEO. Mm-hmm. I love what mm-hmm. they've built. And it was where I where I learned. It was where I learned. I mean, mm-hmm. university was fantastic. Shout sure. out Western University. <laughs> but Salesforce was really where I believe my yeah. core learning started. And I mm-hmm. started to learn about learning in general. And mm-hmm. so when I was at Salesforce, uh, I had been accepted into, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do uh-huh. next. And the right path, the right path was to go into a leadership role as a mm-hmm. manager, mm-hmm. Uh, managing BDRs. At the time I was 25 years old and 29 now. So, you know, four years ago, five mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And I got accepted to be part of this global accelerate leadership program mm. at Salesforce, which they took 30 people from around Salesforce and mm-hmm. they put them into a leadership role to or a wow. leadership, nine month intense leadership training, mm-hmm. because what they realized was that there's a big difference and gap between mm-hmm. an individual contributor in sales and mm-hmm. a sales leader. Mm-hmm. And so they were trying to train us for the next generation of leadership, which I really loved. But that program was so good. You know, you did a Myers-Briggs test. You did a lot of 360 yeah, feedbacks, yeah, yeah. all these different things that I started to realize that I actually wanted something different. And so at the time, I'd accepted a role as a BDR manager. But my friend, Ben Gottlieb, who is now at Mira, mm-hmm and was formerly at High Noon, he was working as director of product marketing at Lyft & Co. Mm-hmm. And there was had a sales job available mm-hmm. and I had grown up loving the plant. Mm-hmm. And I'm a big proponent of cannabis and sports. Mm-hmm. Just did a panel on cannabis and sports and that's definitely a passion of mine. And so mm-hmm. I knew that I had to take the plunge. And right. so it was a really hard challenge because the same day, September 4th, 2018, mm-hmm. that I was scheduled to start at Salesforce was the same day I was scheduled to start at Lyft & Co. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the time I had gone to Italy to to play soccer for the Canadian beach team mm-hmm. and I had a decision to make. I had both offers on my mm-hmm. on my uh, on my table and I just knew that the cannabis offer scared the shit out of me mm-hmm. and it was a chance to build a playbook and learn and create mm-hmm. an industry and when are you ever going to get a chance to do exactly. that so i took all my learnings from salesforce and uh, applied it to lift and co and the f- funny thing is is I thought I knew a lot coming out of Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Turns out I knew absolutely nothing. I didn't even know how, I didn't even right. know how a bar of soap got on a shelf. I knew nothing right. about Going consumer CPG. packaged goods. Right. I knew nothing about retail. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about that. And so my onboarding for Salesforce was, hey, you have a really junior sales team, so mm-hmm. figure out what you need to do with them and who to hire. Mm-hmm. Number two, we're about to monetize three new products, so figure out what monetize means. <laughs> three, um, Cannabis legalizations on uh, around the corner. Mm-hmm. It's happening as, mm-hmm. as September or October seventeenth. Mm-hmm. So in one month. So figure out how we fit into there and our market fit as Lift and Co, which had an excellent brand at the time. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, we're going public. So figure out all the processes and things like that wow. that you need to be able to report on. So mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. trial by fire and the most amazing learning I could ever have. And uh, yeah, if anyone ever wants to talk about that or you know 
understand that journey deeper. It was a challenging time for me personally. I used to sit at Alouette on the corner of King and Queen's Spadina. I don't know if anyone knows that from Toronto. And I used to pull my hair out and message my older brother because he's a chief revenue officer. And I'd be like, how do I come up with the commission plan? How do I do this? How do I do that? And then, you know, that led me to finding the revenue collective, which is an incredible community, a Slack community with Sam Jacobs built. And uh, that's how I started to learn. And it just, you know, that's why I want to give back so much. And, and, and right. you know, I try and mentor so many people and, and, and just want to be involved because I got that type of mentorship mm-hmm. and learning. And that's the only way to grow with uh, an mm-hmm. industry that has zero playbook <laughs> attached to it. Exactly. Look, you, you're you're making the industry every day, right? Like it's it's a clean slate. And I love that you were able to that, you know, you're embracing this fail forward culture that you know what like you have to try and you have to fail and you have to learn and i i like that you kind of admitted that you got to start from scratch going from salesforce in into cannabis right um and you know i i loved lift and co um back when in like 2017 2018 because it was like these this really unbiased um way to get user reviews and it really like filled in that that kind of um that need in the market, you know, I, I don't know what happened <laughs> from from now and then, but like what, so what did it look like for you after Lift & Co? Sure, and I can talk a little bit about Lift & Co in general. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's important, it's an important story because, mm-hmm. you know, I got to see it firsthand and mm-hmm. although, you know, uh, things went bankrupt and mm-hmm. coronavirus hit and all right, that sort right, of right. jazz, it was the single biggest 18 month learning journey mm-hmm. I can ever, ever go on, mm-hmm. which is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so with Lyft, I mean, the, the challenge was, is that, you know, it was the heyday of cannabis in terms of public markets. Mm-hmm. And Lyft was a medical community mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was trying to, that, that flipped the switch and went recreational and it was mm-hmm. fantastic. Lyft had some amazing, amazing things. They mm-hmm. did Canadian Cannabis Awards. Mm-hmm. They did, they la- we launched CanSell, right? We connected wow. consumers yeah. to retailers, to, you know, licensed producers. Mm-hmm. We got to work with all the licensed producers. We, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to monetize Cohesion, which was mm-hmm. going to be an incredible data platform. Mm-hmm. The challenge was is that the industry itself wasn't ready right. for a Lift and Co. Mm-hmm. That's number one, and mm-hmm. number two, we chased a lot of opportunities. And the biggest thing that's that I've learned in this industry and throughout my life is ruthlessness on mm-hmm. focus needs to be the priority. And mm-hmm. you know. We chased a lot of things and mm-hmm. it was fantastic. I love Matei. You know, I have mad mm-hmm. super respect for that guy. I have super mm-hmm. respect for everyone I worked with at Lift & Co. I mean, you mm-hmm. just look at some of the people in the industry. Now, Eric Fonseca, he's you yeah. know, one of the aces in the industry, one of the best leaders I could ever imagine. I had the opportunity to, you know, hire him and, and work with him. And, mm-hmm. you know, now he's become one of my one of my best friends that we do a lot of stuff together. Ruben, he's at PAX. Mm-hmm. You know, Naz, she's at um, Nova. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Sienna's at Dutchie with me. Uh, Brooks at at Sundial. So, mm-hmm. you know, lots of good things happen from Lift & Co. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had to learn and, and, and struggle right. through certain things. Right, right. And again, you know, that was the time when I, I still remember we were at the Canadian, uh, the Vancouver show, the Lyft show. And that's when we were, we were hosting an after party. And that's when the 25 lottery winners were announced that night. And so like the room, you know, was filled with 25 people who were extremely happy. And then the rest were, you know, and now you look at Ontario and it's mm-hmm. like, forget about the lottery. Let's just 
you know, open up a store on every right. corner, which again, necessarily I don't agree with and, and things like that, that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah well, we'll, we'll, de- we'll definitely talk about that. But to, to end that, I have nothing but love mm. for, for Lift & Co. Shout mm. out to Corey mm. McPhee, who was the brains behind all the amazing conferences. Mm. Um, and that, those conferences brought humans together. I got mm. to meet Alex mm. Revich. I got to meet, you know, Dave Patterson, Eleanor yeah. Lynch. I got to meet some of the mentors and my, some of my best friends who are shaping this industry from those conferences that Lyft put together. Uh, so nothing but love for Lyft and Co. And, um, you know, Lyft led me to Dutchie, which is where I'm at with my current role. And, you know, I got to meet Ross Lipson and Ross is one of the most visionary human beings I've ever met in my life. And, you know, I don't, I don't say, I, I don't say that lightly because I, I'm a nerd for leadership and mm-hmm. I'm very hard about yeah. leadership and <laughs> right. Ross is an incredible mm-hmm. leader. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I've been at Dutchie for a year. I just celebrated my one year anniversary on 420. How, how serendipitous is that? I started on <laughs> 420. Cool, yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, and I'm actually about to write, uh, after this uh, conversation, I'm about to write the top 10 things I learned mm. from working at Dutchie over the mm. last year. But mm-hmm. one of them is just Ross's focus and mm. ruthlessness on mm. focus. Like he, he has people trying to, you know, it, it, buy things from him all the time and asking him to monetize things and mm-hmm. sell things. But all we do right now is a really good cannabis e-commerce software for right. retailers and right. we just stay in our lane yeah. with that and it's allowed us to grow substantially mm. you know um and you know raise 200 and 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 be valued at 1.7 billion but oh, yeah. yeah ross's ruthlessness and zach's you know mm. ruthlessness and design mm-hmm. is just something that is is so powerful i i you know what i love that you you took Lift and Co as the biggest learning opportunity of your life, and you know it's really it really always is about the journey, right? It's not about the end result. It's about you know how you got to to where you are now and that what you learned along the way. Um, I love what you mentioned too about leadership, and like I think like if you look at front facing executives like Elon Musk and the brand and the company that he's built, people follow him because of how front facing he is and how outwardly. Um, confident he is in his brand um so like you know for you what what does good leadership look like and how do you inspire those those below you fantastic you're really bringing the heat with these questions <laughs> i love it I, I can't wait to interview you alex <laughs> so i think you know, I, I, again, I, I was lucky. I, I got brought up in the Salesforce realm where, you know, I have some of my, the, the most incredible leaders, Chris Mora, uh, John Key, you know, even my brother, they're, they're a, who grew up in the Salesforce ecosystem. But when I look at good leadership and, you know, you mentioned Elon, I think one of the things now in today's environment that really, re- that good leaders need is definitely a front facing, mm-hmm. um, a front facing view on things because we're living in the U economy and there's so many choices around brands. Mm-hmm. and so many different things and so many different channels where you can get information mm-hmm. that the leader needs to be able to showcase themselves and define those values, mm-hmm. attitudes, and beliefs because that's who someone's going to uh, you know, drive after. At the same mm-hmm. time, that leader, while they're front-facing, needs to be able to understand what they're not good at and be able to mm-hmm. delegate and empower their yeah. team. That leader mm-hmm. needs to be able to hire people who are smarter than them yes. and put their ego aside and be able to say, you're smarter than me. I know that and I know what you're good at. I'm going to help you be better at whatever you need and I'm going to help you coach that so that you can take my job one day and you can be in lights and you can do mm-hmm. and I can work for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that, you know, in cannabis, 
because of all the press, because of all the hype and things like that, I think as certain leaders, you know, maybe lost track of, of, of what that mm-hmm. leadership mantra is. Mm-hmm. And for me, a good leader is, yes, front facing, but more importantly, a good leader is able to understand what a person's motivations are, who's mm-hmm. working for them and mm-hmm. be able to be able to dive into those motivations and figure out how to make that person better every single day. And lastly, I'd say a good leader, man, a good leader is a great listener and is always Mm -hmm. learning. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite words, I did a keynote on this a year ago to Ivy and it was all around learn opacity. Learn opacity, Hmm. your ability to learn, your capacity to Mm -hmm. learn. As a leader, you cannot be a leader if you if you're not trying to learn every day, because I'll give you an example. The one thing I always used to say at Lift & Co, surrounded by so many good people, Ruben, Eric, Sienna, Brooke, constantly was, for me to add value to them, I have to continue to learn. So I, yes. I needed to yeah, listen yeah. to podcasts every day. I needed to, to read every day. I needed mm-hmm. to be on LinkedIn. I needed to be reading books, because mm-hmm. if not, I, I couldn't add value to them and I couldn't empower them to be better because they were learning at such a rapid rate too. So yeah. I think uh, I think that's the leadership the the leadership viewpoint I have uh, in today's world. That's that's such a great point. And Adam Grant is an organizational psychologist who he he just released a book called Think Again. And the entire yeah. premise is it's these it's a lot of people get to the point where they're experts or they have the degree, they have the MBA, they've been doing this for so long and they always just assume that their word is law and they know what's right. Um, and you find this big disconnect in people being in, in super confident because they're in these positions, but they've forgotten a lot of the things that they've learned along the way. So the, the entire premise is to be able to think again and to check your biases and to, and to relearn what you've learned because you'd be amazed the amount of things you forgot. Like, my like as a side little rant like my my undergrad degrees in is in kinesiology it's like you might think of that as like that's the jock degree right like you you learn all about exercise physiology anatomy and i remember seeing someone post something that like the the area to burn fat is always when when it's a low intensity where you could hold a conversation that's the fat burn area not when you're exercising and sweating super intense and i went that's bullshit there's no way and then i looked and googled it and i'm like shit i was wrong <laughs> like here i was <laughs> thinking i was superior just because i have the degree but i wasn't right you know so I, I think like you said leaders that can surround themselves to know their limitations to delegate appropriately and really kind of masterfully create that team those are the ones that are going to be successful so that that's something that i i love talking about for for sure and just to just to add on to that one thing i do believe strongly about leadership is that in order to be a good leader you need to have been able to do whatever you're trying to lead at Mm -hmm. at a high conversion rate or Mm -hmm. you need to have been able to do that job or at least try and do that job Mm -hmm. and an example i love that kinesiology example but an example i always use is you know what's the difference between diego maradona and zidane or what's Mm -hmm. the difference between Mm -hmm. you know um you know pep guardiola and Mm -hmm. uh and you know even a guy like michael jordan Mm -hmm. everyone all all, each of them were fantastic individual leaders Mm -hmm. and 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 goal scorers and high performing Mm -hmm. athletes Mm -hmm. and amazing but the difference between a guy like maradona and zidane is although you know they were both highly touted and they could do amazing Mm -hmm. things the Mm -hmm. difference between them is then zidane could go and lead people and empower his Mm -hmm. uh and empower his team to be better Mm -hmm. whereas maradona Mm -hmm. he had to make it all about himself constantly Mm -hmm. so interesting um 
Yeah, and, and, and an interesting comparison that I, that I always reference, but mm-hmm. I do believe that as a leader, you still need to be able to do or have done the thing that you're trying to lead at mm-hmm. and, and dive into it. And if not, that's okay, but mm-hmm. you're going to have a cha- more challenging time mm-hmm. um, truly being a leader. And then the other thing I believe is... Um, you know, the more you know, the less you actually know. <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's the Dunning-Kruger effect, right? Like the, it's like you're, you don't know, you don't know what you don't know, right? And a lot of people tend to overestimate their abilities because they don't know how much is out there. Like I thought I was good at guitar when I first picked it up. And then I actually started to see how much you can do. And I went, wow, I don't know anything. Like I'm, I'm garbage. You know what I mean? Um, of course. Um, one, one thing I want to t- kind of tie back to is we were talking about just the, um, the sheer amount of stores and how we compete. Like, you know, t- technology is such an interesting play in cannabis because those that leverage it correctly um, can soar past their competition. And, you know, according to Brightfield mm-hmm. data, we have 444 cannabis retailers in Ontario. So, you know, with that many and with that many stores on the same street, like how can cannabis retailers use technology and technology stacks to to compete against each other? The thing that I think about all the time, <laughs> I'll, I'll be writing an article on this uh, later on, on just evaluating technology in general. But the, the truth of the matter is right now, I think there's actually 600 stores in Ontario wow. now um, from 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 what I know. And uh, I have to dub over and, that, you know, that question. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we just crossed 600 potentially. Wow, that's but I know crazy. More than 444. That's nuts. Yeah, and, Jesus. Uh, and and you know now as a cannabis retailer, everyone is on the same playing field, right? Because you're everyone's coming from all these different industries. And the reason I love technology is because. In order to use technology, in order to win in this industry, this industry is a game of margins mm-hmm. and you know, you can't do things traditionally. So even if you came from an amazing retail background, mm-hmm. even if you came from an amazing CPG background, mm-hmm. you know, for you to be able to take, you know, a bottle of beer and be able to, you know, brand it and sell it mm-hmm. and, and, you know, talk about how it helps you be able to use it on commercials in the Super Bowl, all these different things mm-hmm. and really appeal to a mass consumer perspective while also simultaneously it's been around for 90 years and hasn't been prohibited. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And now you look at the cannabis industry and the retail game is super hard. Mm -hmm. Everyone is selling the same thing in Canada to an uneducated consumer base, which is, excuse my French or Spanish, but it's fucking insane, right? And I'm seeing it every single day. And most of these retailers are my friends now, Mm -hmm. right? Because Mm -hmm. Dutchie's powering their backend platform. and, And, you know, so for me, I think it's there's a couple things to answer that question. Number one, if you're a retailer, you need to get really, really good at evaluating technology. Not Dutchy, not you know, Kova or Greenline mm-hmm. or Spring Big or whatever, just technology in general, you need to have a criteria to evaluate it because you need to be able to understand who the leadership of that company is, when have they failed, what are they offering? how you're you know, going to be aligned to them a year from now, uh, what's their customer support, what problem do they solve. You just need, you need a criteria for evaluating technology. The second thing is you need to know how to use 
that technology. And so, you know, many people have great technologies in the sure. technology stack, SMS loyalty marketing platforms, even though loyalty is a great word, <laughs> a great word, uh, SMS uh, marketing platforms and, uh, you know, e-commerce platforms and things like that with great Dutchy uh, analytics and all these different things. Sure. But as a retailer, now you're forced to be able to not only, you know, buy the technology mm -hmm. and have it work for you, but also be able to use the features within it to mm -hmm. make proactive decisions mm -hmm. that could result in a micro movement either way that is going to have a residual impact down the line. That's the thing that I'm seeing right now is mm -hmm. all of these companies have retailers are moving so fast and have these great technology stacks, but they're maybe not diving in as much and don't have a strategy on how to leverage it. The hmm. third thing is, is now you're getting data from all of these different sources, right? So how do you then start to triangulate this data? And hmm. so the biggest role that no one's talking about in this industry is the idea of a, 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 a like a vendor or a CRM uh, type manager or an analytics, you know, hmm. data role hmm. or, or something like that, hmm. because now things are moving so fast and you have all these different technology mm -hmm. you need to be able to put that together and be able to have a holistic view of your organization through all channels and say hey here's mm -hmm. what's happening mm -hmm. here's what we need to do to essentially you know make right. a move either way right. so i mean that that's the only way you know so even things like segmenting your audience mm -hmm. being able to you know build an email list being yeah, able to yeah. build a text message list like being able to you know figure out what brand's selling one mm -hmm. day figure out what you know what a sale yielded mm -hmm. you and how elastic mm -hmm. an edible is versus mm -hmm. you know an edible sale is versus mm -hmm. a topical sale and mm -hmm. you know if you want to win as a retailer today day, uh, apart from having a great location um, and a great, and I'll, we'll talk about staff training and all that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah, after yeah. with the emotional intelligence, but for you to win today, you really need to be able to understand technology and honestly understand a lot about how to drive people to your website, drive people to your brand, um, how to communicate your brand right. through technology. So right, technology right. is only going to be stickier and the more hmm. you dive in and learn about what these platforms can do figure out how this tech stack i always refer to it as tetris i was never any good at tetris um, but you know it's like tetris it's all fitting together yeah. right yeah. and so that's that's super important and i'm sorry for rambling because You're i good. go on forever about that but uh, yeah <laughs> I, I i love to talk and i love to talk about mm. the things i'm passionate about and like, good. i am passionate about technology and cannabis yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's why you know i found my i found my fit in this industry in, in this mm -hmm. right Let, here let's let's dig deeper i mean just like you said, those that can qualify the data and use it appropriately are going to succeed, right? Um, so one of the ideas that I've had for a long time, and I don't know why we're not doing it, is customer journey tracking and why, you know, I, look, I go back to the same spirit leaf because they're consistent. I like the way they look. They use Dutchie. And, you know, but the only trouble is from every time I go, there might be a different bud tender. And, you know, I might say Correct. like, you know, the last time I bought this ghost train haze, I didn't like it. Or I bought this, this sour diesel. I, I wasn't a fan. It didn't resonate with me. So like, I, I really wish there was a way for them to be able to track my preferences and they can be on the same page and then make suggestions from there. Like that, that's something that I think retail should really push towards. I'm curious to hear what you think. I think it's a, a fantastic idea. It's something I've been thinking about nonstop, actually. Mm -hmm. Even here in Mexico, I'm traveling with a friend and he's big into the cannabis industry and he kind of mentioned the same thing mm -hmm. that, you know, people don't know what they don't know and butt tenders are the front lines. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, number one, fundamentally, butt tenders 
are this industry. They're mm-hmm. interacting oh, with they have the hardest job. everyone across yeah. so many different types of mm-hmm. demographics. Mm-hmm. Number two, because of that, retail organizations need to make it their number one priority to mm-hmm. invest in three areas mm-hmm. of butt tenders. Number one, obviously product knowledge. Mm-hmm. Number two, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. The ability to listen and be able to <laughs> understand what the human being that you're talking to is feeling, thinking, uh, learning about, etc. Because mm-hmm. fun, like, if I go into a, a store, mm-hmm. I need to be talked to differently than you mm-hmm. need to be talked yeah. to, than you know, my mom needs to be talked right, to. Right, because right. one bad experience could mm-hmm. throw her off completely. Mm-hmm. And I think the third thing that you know, invest, or retail organizations need to invest in is uh, the anatomy of trust and how you mm-hmm. actually build mm-hmm. trust. And mm-hmm. because it is a very vulnerable buying experience with mm-hmm. the with the bud tender today. And so I think that you know, with the amount of brands coming out, with the amount of things, form factors that you can you can get. I mean, how do you know when you want to buy flour versus a vape mm-hmm. versus you know a beverage on that specific day? I mean, Alex, you and I are cannabis <laughs> consumers. We're in the industry every single day I still don't know how to shop appropriately right uh, right so I think you know within the regs and you know the on Canadian regs are, are challenging because you can't necessarily recommend mm-hmm. things but I think that as a whole industry and retailers as a whole and what we can push on LPs for and just overall is we kind of talked about this but utility mm-hmm. is what is the utility of this specific product mm-hmm. in regards to the outcome or the intent that you're trying to achieve and then be able to track that somewhere like you mentioned in an app or something along those lines so that you can go back and you're like hey Alex last mm-hmm. time you got XYZ how did you feel do you mm-hmm. remember the do you remember the journey do you mm-hmm. remember it uh, you know do you want to try something similar yeah. here's what we have etc yeah. etc but that requires a level of education mm-hmm. of that bud tender to have such a growth mindset mm-hmm. and, and and the best organizations are going to win by hiring the best talent and mm-hmm. enabling them to consistently learn. Yes. Um, yes. And so that's going to be a huge competitive differentiator mm-hmm. between store to store for sure. I, yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head because like, like, like I said, they have the hardest job in the industry and they're, they're so underpaid and so underappreciated when they are the f- final decision maker between a brand and the consumer. Why aren't we trying to set them up for success? Why would you just throw them? You know, I I imagine a hiring process goes something like this. Do you have Cancel? Yes. Great. Um, What do you know about cannabis? Oh, well, you know, I've used cannabis for the last couple of years. Great. You're hired. And a lot of them just throw them on the floor. And like, I'll tell you, like, you know, why, why would I go back to one store versus another and having a bad experience? I, sure. I probably won't come back just because I got a bad recommendation. A hundred percent. And, and, and the thing is everyone's struggling to get people into the door and there's cannabis stores, you know, on top of each other, beside each other. Right, and so, right. if, you know, I'd be pretty upset if I was the manager of that mm-hmm. store or the owner right. of that store, because I just, I lost you. And we all know it's mm-hmm. seven times more expensive to exactly. acquire a customer than it is to retain one. Mm-hmm. And that even goes deeper in the cannabis industry. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I totally agree. So how, can a retailer set up their store for success and and have people come back? Sure. So there's a couple ways and I can only talk to what I know. And, uh, you know, if you ever get an opportunity, I uh, highly encourage you to get Krista Raymer here on here and and ask her the same question. But, (laughs) um, you know, from from a physical perspective, you know, obviously, is the store inviting? That's one thing. Right. right? in, in the tone of the store, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, I think that it's really important for if you're an independent, for you as that store mm-hmm. to 
that that store leader to be visible, right? Um, it, whether it's on the floor sometimes, whether it's you know working together with your bud tenders and your staff, I think it's really important that you're there in the journey. Number three, I think it goes back to the technology aspect, right? So how are you communicating your brand? Because the thing is, retailers are going to be the first to build their brand, mm -hmm. really, um, rather with that consumer rather than the licensed producer, just because there's so many brands mm -hmm. out there and there's so many different form factors and things mm -hmm. like that, that, you know, you just said it, the retailer is going to differentiate their brand by the people that they have, right? And who they are and their tone. And so having a consistent brand experience and communicating that in a very simple, concise way, it's like, you know, I, I referenced this uh, in a webinar I did not too long ago, would, would highly encourage anyone who wants to watch it. it's on my YouTube channel, but, um, you know, you're gonna get the same experience you go into in Sephora, right? Mm. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not even a I'm not even a user of any of Sephora's <laughs> products. I know it doesn't look, you look like great. it. No, but, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they have my business forever because I'm gonna yeah. always have a consistent experience, right? right? And mm -hmm. within that consistent experience, it's not only like the same branding online, the same messaging all the time. But it's the same experience across bud tenders, across, uh, sorry, their, their store staff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. the educators. And, and with Sephora, it's really interesting. And why I always use them as, a, as an example is mm -hmm. because, you know, they, to get into the next level of growing into the organization, they have to complete certifications. They have to do certain things. And so it's a standardization across right, that. Right. And so I'd say the fourth thing that, that retailers really need to do is invest in their people, invest in their people to get, to, to help their people be empowered and, um, and, and, and want to take on more responsibilities. Um, and then of course, I'd say the fifth thing is work tighter with licensed producers and, uh, the sales reps. And I think that's a big problem too, right? Like, mm -hmm. because the sales rep is the brand, right? Exactly. And so if the licensed producer doesn't have a good sales rep, um, or they're not representing it well, or whatever the case is, then it's, then it's a real challenge. But, you know, co-selling the licensed producer in store with activations, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having an activation calendar, knowing exactly how to, you know, connect with the consumer, practicing mm -hmm. that yeah. together is going to be so vital <laughs> because one of the things I've noticed coming from, you know, the, the, the lift side and only working with brands now, Dutchie, and really only working mm -hmm. with retailers. Mm -hmm. It's a unique viewpoint, but one of the things I've realized is licensed producers have no idea uh, what technology retailers are, are using or like what's even happening in the store. You know, uh, so I advise for, for Spiffy, uh, which is a butt tender education tool. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I used to ask licensed producers was, you know, you have a butt tender in front of you. Mm -hmm. What do you say to them, mm -hmm. right? And they all start talking about strand cards and all, sure, all these sure. different things, and that's oh, yeah. fine. But what what is it that you're saying to that bud tender if you have one minute with them, right? And why should that bud tender care? So I think mm -hmm. it's you know how do you tighten up those relationships mm -hmm. as a retailer and enable your licensed producers to understand um, how they can help you be successful. So I, again, mm -hmm. I know I said a lot there. It's something I can no, go no. on for forever, but those are kind of some of the five or six points. <laughs> There's a lot that I could pick apart and like. Like top of mind, you know, if you're elevator pitch, if you're if you're a territory rep, you walk into the the retailer and your elevator pitches, we're we're the best cannabis brand, we're revolutionizing the cannabis industry, but you don't say why or you don't, you know, really give a good value prop, how are you how are you gonna succeed? Yeah, it's it's super it's super challenging, and, yeah. and you know I don't I don't blame the LPs either because they have to also make sure they're compliant, right? Right. And right. So how, how do you, how are you supposed to to compete like that? 
it's it's really it's really challenging and i think yeah. us as an industry need to move towards you know talking more about utility but i'll give you one example mm-hmm. you know the, the leaders of, of of licensed producers and um you know who they are matter hey our, mm-hmm. our organization has done xyz we've you know worked with you know thousands of consumers uh, across canada we launched you know it, t- telling the story i think is a big thing mm-hmm. the story of why this producer exists not the fact that they're a premium yeah, uh, a yeah. premium you know brand and blah 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 yeah. it's, it's like why, why like what is your mission as a producer right? right what's your mission statement what's your what's your vision statement like where are you want to go why do i give a shit about that as a bud tender <laughs> and a consumer branding. yeah right it, yeah. It, it really does i mean you think about the best brands out there right like you you even used elon musk right like mm-hmm. what does he stand for right sure. he's 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 not afraid to fail in public mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. Um, and try new things and go after big ideas mm-hmm. and you know invest all uh, so much in bitcoin and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. uh, do the neurological thing with the monkey the other day that he did <laughs> yeah. like he, he's he's doing yeah. big things but i mean you look at all the other brands right like nike for instance mm-hmm. i'll give you an example um Nike, wherever you go in the world, has the same type of retail footprint. Apple, the other day, I went to get a new MacBook mm. in, uh, in, in Mexico City, and the experience is the same from Apple and within the store level, right? Every, every single mm-hmm. time. And, and that's not easy to achieve. Uh, it takes years to, mm-hmm. to build a brand, but I know, you know, for Nike, like, um, I'm gonna, I, I know the Roshis I'm gonna get because they're yeah. gonna help me. It's not about the shoes. It's just, I, I know I'm gonna feel comfortable running faster. Mm-hmm. You know, sure. my favorite thing about Adidas <laughs> is impossible is nothing, right? I grew mm-hmm. up with that slogan. Mm-hmm. Impossible is nothing. It's not about the shoe. It's not about the brand, uh, like mm-hmm. the, the, the gear. It's the fact that when I put that on, mm-hmm. I feel like I can lift mm-hmm. more. I feel like I can run better, right? So, um, yeah, I'd say it's the story behind mm-hmm. it. And it's really hard to communicate. Right. It's really hard to communicate. Don't get me wrong. Right. But, and, and how you know, do we do that? that? How do we do that with the ad, with the strict advertising laws? And how do we do that without being able, being able to differentiate packaging? And even companies just outwardly saying, you know what, screw it. We're going to break packaging laws and we're going to, how do you compete with that? <laughs> It's 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 a challenge I think about every single day, and you yeah. know I think something's got to change. And you know I, I wrote about this on LinkedIn a couple times, and there were some good comments in there, and I, I I'll tag you in them, and we can we can walk yeah, through them. Yeah, but yeah. you know with New York with New York legalizing mm-hmm. cannabis and sale rec sales starting in 2022, you know just reading their mandate about you know at like they want people to understand, they want people to ed- be educated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so advertising is going to go through the roof. There's social mm-hmm. equity. There's a variety of different things New York is doing that I'm excited about. But here in Canada, you know, even though we were first i think we need to mold and, and, and change with the with the with the ways um but in the meantime i think there's there's a couple things that brands can do uh well i think it's mm-hmm. you know number one making sure that you know and it's tough because instagram keeps taking things down but making sure that you you're educating on instagram mm-hmm. um you're you're helping not only uh, talk a little bit about the brand but you're talking a little bit more about you know obviously the story mm-hmm. and what that mm-hmm. means and how consumers can adapt to what your values are yeah um, what your principles are like mm-hmm. what does the brand stand mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. and why do i again care you think about like a nike you think about an adidas right, you think right, about right. these different things i know i'm going to get a consistent experience whether it's like one pair of shoes or you know a shirt or whatever the case is so i think that's number one is like on each channel you're 
that you communicate with Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, what, however you're trying to get out to the masses, I think you really need to start to communicate your value proposition, mm-hmm. um, not only from a cannabis perspective, but like your story and what mm-hmm. you stand for. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Broken Coast does a great job of yes. that. I think, you know, Redican's uh, doing a fantastic yeah. job at that, right? Uh, and Diva does well, mm-hmm. you know, Dave, Leah, their team, um, they're really owning, you know, the gummy market with Juana. I think mm-hmm. that was yeah. very awesome play. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, their, their brand is succinct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, um, Ace Valley is doing a good job of that, right? Obviously, you know, canopy acquisition and things like that. But mm-hmm. I think Ace Valley did a fantastic mm-hmm. job um, with with some of their branding and, and, and all that. But I, I think it is challenging right now. However, I think there's, you know, other ways. So, you know, content is, is, is king, mm-hmm. right? Leveraging an agency mm-hmm. to, you know, I know Hexo did the, uh, did the, you know, the 21% higher uh, yeah. campaign yeah. Uh, which I thought was yeah. Uh, sorry yeah up. Yeah. yeah, I thought that was a really interesting campaign mm-hmm. um, you know I think it, it made a lot of people really happy and I think it made a lot of people angry but you're making a splash sure. or you're it, making a t- look, you're, you're giving exactly. attention right? it was clever it was funny we talked about it it worked Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think uh, Superette did something amazing the other day with the 420 Lotto. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so even though there are strict marketing regs, it forces the creative people within your organization to be more creative and to be better. And thus, if you have those creative people within your organization, you need to do whatever you can to mm-hmm. harness that, nurture that, enable that and mm-hmm. tell them to shoot for the moon. and. It's tough because sometimes you might get your hand slapped. And yeah. I'm not saying that everyone should go get their hand slapped, yeah, but I yeah, do yeah. think collectively as an industry, we need to push the boundaries mm-hmm. uh, and we need to see what's achievable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fortune favors the bold, right? Yes. Is what I'd say. No, yeah. Perfect, perfect end cap on that. And, you know, <laughs> I, I think you could have the best product out there, but if you don't communicate the product, people won't buy it. If you don't build the brand, nobody's going to know about it, right? No. Um, no, exactly. I, th- there's so much more I wanted to talk about, but I might have to cap it um, for for my own sake of editing. <laughs> um, Shabazz, like you were, you're so insightful. My my episodes are only as good as my guests. In this case, top tier uh, on all ends. I I so appreciate you coming on, man. I appreciate you, dude. You are uh, a bright, yeah, a bright human, and I can't wait to build our relationship deeper and learn a little bit more about you. And uh, I really appreciate it. It's a privilege being on here. Hey, if you've made it this far in the episode, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you want to hear more from Shabazz, uh, make sure to give him a shout. He's super open. He's very receptive. He's happy to talk about cannabis, technology, leadership. I encourage you, shoot him a message. You can either find him on LinkedIn uh, or give him a shout on Instagram. It's S underscore Kara underscore V. And as always, if you want to hear more from me, website coffeecannabis.ca instagram coffee cannabis podcast give me a shout who do you want to see on the show what do you want to see more of happy to chat new episode in two weeks make sure to subscribe follow you'll get notified first and i'll catch you then